Why, hello, everyone. Hi, Nathan. Hi. Hello. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. <laughs> no. Just because I your, your doom is impending. Curse you, Nathan. Ooh, Damn okay. you. I have been betrayed. God, just music. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. To every game master's ear. It's just, get damn you. <laughs> uh, just, uh, it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. Hello, everyone. Welcome once more to Reckless Attack. We are a fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I I'm your game master, Nathan. It is so lovely to be joined by not just you, our beautiful, lovely listener, whether you are new or old, but also our stalwart group of adventurers slash players met first with. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and it's Thirsty Frog Pals, Mango, and Junior. Boy, Checkers is just going through a lot of emotions right now because uh, the person that he thought was going to be one of his new best friends, Amber Thunderwalker, apparently is not Amber Thunderwalker. But is but one is, of your best friends. But is still one of my best friends yep. and is still trying to figure out how to process this sort of sudden realization that things are not what they seem. But to my left. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane and Dwarven Warlock, and I am revolting against Nathan by refusing to do my intro. <laughs> you have betrayed us. How could you? We trusted you, Nathan. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I got to bask in this moment a bit, you know? It's been so long since I've really gotten to really, really push your buttons in that way as a game master. It's just, it's very Stop nice. Stop playing with my heart, David. It's very nice. It's very good. And to my left. Hey everyone, my name is Steve, and I am playing Selv Esterlin, the Dragonborn monk, who is uh, just gonna sit this one out. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Fair you know enough. what? Actually, I will eat myself yeah. out the tree. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I can negate thirty feet of falling damage. It'll be fine. <laughs> actually, I can negate all falling damage. Yeah, it'll be fine. yeah. And across the table from me. Hi everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sophie, and I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain, and, you know, uh, Val said she wanted to be like Amber Thunderwalker <laughs> when she grew up, and I don't know if that's true anymore. God, dear listeners. <laughs> I thought she was really cool, and Just... I've, Val and Sophie have been betrayed. <laughs> yeah. Just as we sat down, I really hammered that home. Once more to Sophie is that I had I was so stressed about that last session. I wanted to make it a cool reveal, a cool moment, and also just an interesting character. And was so worried that I was going to mess it up. And then Sophie said that in the session. I was like, "Fucking got him! <laughs> got him! <laughs> got him! I did it! I did it!" And now the game can truly so begin. Now it just leaves the twins' characters left because now Selv has the deep, deep mistrust. Of houses. Right. <laughs> yeah. Val now has a deep, deep mistrust of strangers. Role models, even. Yeah. Role models. Yeah. People. Anybody that seems cool. Yeah. So we'll figure something out before the uh, campaign's over. How I feel much... like Cass has a deep mistrust of the outdoors. He's that... fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. I'm Could be. This tree. That's probably not wrong. Planning a real estate here. It's fine. But hey, enough 
faffing about, everyone. For you find yourselves in a situation that escalated quickly. You are in Deepwood. You are in, in fact, the Council of Oaks Chambers. You were joined there with a couple of other parties. Warren, a member of the Tailspun Order, a bunch of storytellers, and his uh, his fine apprentice, <laughs> Baltar. And you're also met with Amber Thunderwalker, who was an individual who said that she traveled the world. That was just kind of what she did now, was just go around, try to reconnect with the world. You guys were hanging out with Juniper, the Raven Mount. And then when it was Amber's turn, things took a turn. She asked the council to tell her where the circle of druids helping protect this city were located. And the council said no. And Amber didn't care for that answer. She asked again, and the council said sorry, but still no. And then time stopped. As you guys kind of become aware of reality post-time jump, a couple things had happened. One, two of the large ravens that are all across this city had burst through two stained glass windows on either side of you guys, clearly looking to fight. There were also two kind of animal constructs, almost maybe like summons, but clearly not actual creatures. Standing between you and Amber, and notably, there was no Amber. Instead, what you all see is a humanoid mortal wearing kind of ragged brown robes with a bluish tint to their skin, hands and arms wrapped in bandages, and wearing a strange wooden flat mask over their face with antlers poking up. Their skin has almost what look like bright tattoos of strange blue energy. And it carries, in one hand, a crooked staff, and in another, a golden lantern. You guys actually have seen this creature before. When you guys were scouting the Grung encampment, way back in episode two or three, you saw this creature portal in, bring Grung reinforcements, speak! To the Grung High Overlord mm-hmm. and leave. You found out that this was a mortal, an entity known only as the Shepherd. You now see them before you, advancing on the Council of Oak, and then all hell breaks loose. Roll for initiative. Ah! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> self with a 22. Ooh, self with a 22. Look at you. Castrin with a nine. Can I donate five points of my initiative to somebody <laughs> else? <laughs> Checkers with a five. Checkers. <laughs> What'd you roll? Two. <laughs> Wait a minute. What did you roll? I also rolled a two. Okay. <laughs> but you just had And a what two. was your total? Too. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh no. Oh no. We're just all gonna get pecked to death before we even do anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> so, 
to remind you all of your situation. On either side of you, having crashed through two previously beautiful stained glass windows, are two giant ravens. It is obvious that they are here to fight. And to fight... On our side! You specifically. No. (laughs) In front of you are two more creatures. These are very strange. One on the left is a large elk, and the one on the right appears to be a giant scorpion. They are both made of stars. What? Like a strange constellation. You all may recognize it as stars that you could see through the portal that the shepherd walked through all those months ago. Hmm. Strange, blue, alien, wrong stars. Beyond that, you see, again, the creature you know to be the shepherd. You see the shepherd, without turning back towards you at all, approaches a council member and says, Nature is chaos. Life is disorder. But today take another step to bring all of it back to the way it should be. And the shepherd reaches out a hand and places it directly onto the forehead of this council member. Juniper, as this is all happening, yells out to you guys, um, we gotta get help. We gotta get help. Uh, and he turns to the couple of like nominal guards who were here and says, uh, you, uh, come with me. Uh, you guys, uh, I'm gonna get help. I'm going to get help. Juniper turns on his little halfling heel and starts running essentially out the back door. Warren and Baltar look at you guys in a panic. And Warren says, we will not be of much use to you all here. Um, We will also raise the alarm and also sprint out. (laughs) Tell our story. (laughs) So it just leaves the guilders and the fortunate. As this is all happening, only one member of the Golden Tree Guild had the uncanny reflexes, uncanny perception to react before anything else happened. Self, top of the initiative, you are being menaced by a number of creatures, and I'm going to say roughly 40 feet away or so is the shepherd and the council. What do you do? Are there any creatures that look like they want to fight us between me and the shepherd? Yes. Both of the constructs, both the stag and the scorpion are in your way. If I am facing towards the council members, I have a large raven on my left, a large raven on my right. In front of me, there is a construct elk and a construct scorpion. Mm Mm-hmm. Beyond them is the shepherd, and very close to the shepherd, just on uh, yes. at the other side of the shepherd, are the council members. Correct. Okay. Does it look like the council members are actually able to move, or do they look like they're kind of like part of this tree that they you are need sitting perception in? perception check. 18. It seems like they are somehow connected. It's not that you can see how they're connected, but you, they have not moved, and 
their feet aren't going anywhere. Their hands really aren't even going anywhere. So okay. whatever is connecting them is keeping them as well. Okay. I'll also tell you guys all, reinforcements are coming. Right now, your goal is A, survive, mm-hmm. but B, try to get to the council to delay the shepherd as long as possible. I guess the question is, is there a path I can take to get to the shepherd that will not get me attacked by other creatures in here? No. Okay. They are too big, and the space is a little bit too cramped. Okay. And it's a little bit far. In that case, I guess I'll start heading there. I'll move towards the elk. And they're about 15 or 20 feet away from you guys. Okay. I will move up to that one, and I will rain blows down upon it. Okay. I have two attacks per round, and then I'm going to use my bonus action to do a third attack. Going after this elk, I'm actually going to stop about 10 feet away from it, and I am going to use Fist of Unbroken Air, which is essentially an unarmed attack, but at range. So uh, hopefully I will not be... What's the range? The range is actually 15 feet. Okay. And for the listener at home, David is helping me run this lightly complicated combat by taking the elk over. It's true. So if you hear my voice, it's because I'm also playing the stag. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the two attacks and then a uh, a bonus action attack. So first two, 24. That hits. And a 19. Both hit. And the third one is going to be 21. The stag tries to dodge out of the way, but your blows come so unexpectedly from such a range that it has no idea what hits it. Okay, so that will be a grand total of 3d6 plus 9. 23 points of bludgeoning damage. Immediately, it is buffeted by the flurry of (laughs) blows coming from nowhere as you punch from 10 feet away, and it's already starting to flag. Just knock a star right out of there. Yeah, well, now it's seeing stars. <laughs> Anything else, though? I will kind of dance around to the side to make an opening for any of my companions that wish to come in and follow up. All right, sounds good. The shepherd. Again, you guys can all hear as this is just barely coming out over the growing din of the battle. They say, I knew I could take what I asked of you, but I did not. I came to you respecting the old ways, speaking the old tongue, obeying what to me, and I hope to you, is still sacred. But I will find what I see. And you see the first member of the Twelve start to convulse under the hand of the shepherd. Now it is the giant elk's turn. Selv, this giant stag stares daggers at you and begins stomping its hooves in the ground, readying a charge. It dashes towards you with all the power it can muster, charging you and attempting to knock you to the ground. Twelve to hit. That misses. The creature tries to run you down, but you dodge out of the way. It stops immediately next to you before rearing up and coming back down, ready to take you on. Oh dear. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) The left... Raven is going to attack Kaskrin. Okay. This thing, again, it is it is so large. It actually can't really fly well here. So it just kind of has this awkward, like, shuffle 
that it kind of has to do where it would be kind of cute if it wasn't also flapping its horrifically large wings and definitely trying to murder you. And so it kind of scoots up to you and is going to try and peck and tear at you with its giant curved beak. That is a 19 to hit. Hit. Eight points of damage. Okay. And now is going to grab at you with one of its talents. That's a 23 to hit. Absolutely. 13 points of damage. Oh. Oh. is caught flat-footed. All of a sudden, he is blindsided by this raven and takes huge damage. Could you make me a strength saving throw, please? 15. It reaches out its talon and, like, slices at you, but you are able to just barely wrestle out of its grasp as it is trying to grab you with its talon. Just the manic flailings of a man ambushed. Yes. As a bonus action, it flaps its wings towards Selv and tries to knock you down. Selv, I would like you to make also a strength saving throw, please. Ooh, 22. Ooh, easily. You are a master of wind, not this creature. It does nothing to face you. Kaskarin immediately realizes how much of a disadvantage he's at, being, one, beset upon by this raven, and two, there is no rock anywhere. What is this <laughs> nonsense? It's all friggin' wood. I can't even do anything. So he is going to pull out his weapon. As a bonus action, he is going to harden the rock on his arms and legs, affording him some additional protection. And as a action, he is going to try and weather this raven storm. He's going to cast Armor of Agathus on himself. And what happens is there appears to be a circle of golden celestial wooden spikes that appear outside of his like immediate perimeter as if a small palisade has magically appeared around him. He shouts towards the rest of the group, Uh, this is bad, you guys. And that's his turn. As you cast this spell, I don't know who would see it. And maybe everyone, maybe no one. But the shepherd turns over their shoulder and stares impassively at you as their hand is still extended on this council person's head. I got it, I got it. Mango, go get him. And Mango is going to leap into the air and try to latch onto the giant raven that is currently harassing Kaskrin. Mango's going to leap forward and try to grab onto the back of this raven, hopefully pulling it off of Kaskrin. Opposed athletics. 22. 23. Ah! Dang. The bird is able to, like, flap its wings. You know, there's just enough space to kind of flap its wings and not be knocked over or moved by the large frog boy. Mango grapples with his tongue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just imagining Mango, like, jumping through the air, mouth wide open, like, ah! <laughs> and the bird just flaps his wings, and it's like a reverse, like, Kirby, where it's yeah. just like the, his like, mouth becomes like a parachute. Or like a dog <laughs> with, their, with, their, with huge jowls sticking yeah. their head out the window. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, more fan art, please. Yeah, please get out of that fan Canon. All right, anything else, checkers? I don't get it, I don't get it. <laughs> As an action, Checkers is going to dive behind one of the nearby fallen chairs and begin to cast a spell. 
Suddenly, this mass of black seaweed begins to rise up out of the ground, struggling to try and grab onto the raven that is attacking Kaskrin and the stag that is attacking Self. Perfect. What's the DC? 15. 15. <laughs> it is very, very good strikes. 15 as well. <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard, guys. Yep. So the seaweed failing to find purchase just sort of turns into this black mush that covers the ground. It is now difficult terrain, but that's it. Okay. <laughs> Do you like any more movement? Any anythings? I'm just going to hide behind this chair. That's all right. Seems good. <laughs> uh, now it is the other bird's turn. And I think the only remaining target might be Valeska Carter. First, it's going to flap its wings again. It's going to kind of like sort of strut waddle over to you and is going to first peck at you with a beak? No. Hmm. Actually, probably no. A 13 to hit? Oh my god, it doesn't hit! I have an AC of 14! <laughs> uh, but now it reaches out with you with its long no. horrible talon, which when you were hanging out with Juniper was like, oh yeah, big scary bird, but somehow now is like, oh no, it's very big. It's fucking terrifying. Very scary bird. It is, it is a hunting bird. 22 to hit. You bet. 14 <laughs> points of slashing damage. Oh, jeez. Could you please make a strength saving throw, please? Uh, actually, I said it specifically for Kaskrin that it was strength. It can be strength or dexterity saving throw because <laughs> I'm a magnanimous uh, GM. I don't think I have anything in either of them. <laughs> it's Yeah, you wouldn't be great probably at either. Nope. I figured Kaskrin was probably a little better in strength, but true. 19 on the fucking guy! That'll do it. <laughs> hey. uh, God, so, thank you, Starbucks. <laughs> so this huge talon, like it pecks at you and you're able to just get out of the way and it claws at you. But how do you get out of the way of, again, what is absolutely this thing trying to pick you up? I think the raven just misjudges how dense Valeska is and, and trying to grab it just fucking smacks her across the room. You ate all those waffles this morning <laughs> yeah. and so you're really, you're a dense, Buff now. a dense Val. Yeah. Seems good. Uh, now it is the Fortunate's turn. Sick. Save us all! <laughs> As they take off their helmet and reveal the shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, oh, God. All of Val's friends are secretly the shepherd. <laughs> all the coolest people. <laughs> So the fortunate hasn't really even moved much at this point. And with kind of lightning reflexes, Val, you just sense the fortunate next to you. Thank God. They have their shield and their spear out. The fortunate stands right next to you and starts to just kind of like step forward just a little bit in front of you. In addition to the horrible feeling that you always get being this close to any member of the Bones, you immediately get this sense that you are safer standing next to it in ways that, again, you guys really haven't been in combat with the Fortunate before. When you are next to the Fortunate, you get plus two on your AC and to saving throws. The Fortunate says, don't worry, Val. We'll get out of this. And does a what can only be described as Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones spear flourish hell yeah as you see the end of this spear start to glow 
with necrotic energy. And it's going to do three attacks. Hope it hits. It does hit. Fuck yes. That is a 15 to hit and does 16 points of damage. Wow. Second attack. Ooh, that misses. Just barely, like, is trying to also interpose themselves between Val and this bird, so isn't able to land true. Even worse! No! (laughs) Fuck! All right, green dice, you're going back because you made the fortunate look dumb and... (laughs) 16 points of damage. Yeah, right. On one one attack. Yeah, that's pretty good. And again, the fortunate is just like standing next to you and then just kind of almost retreats into like a perfect spear form where they're behind their shield. You're a little behind their shield and they're holding the spear perfectly parallel to the ground up near their face and are almost still like a statue. Unfortunately, it is now the Celestial Scorpion's turn. It is going to scuttle also over to the two of you. No. Meaning Val and the Fortunate. It is going to first attack the Fortunate. So first, it's going to reach out with its stinger to try and hit. That's a crit against the Fortunate. Oh, jeez. Hope it does poison damage. It doesn't do anything because they're undead. So... <laughs> you see this thing just like wham against the fortunate's armor. It doesn't pierce it. You have yet to see anything that reliably pierces the armor of the bones and does six points of damage to it. And you can see as it retreats, the armor is just covered with poison that is like smoking a little bit. It doesn't seem to be doing any damage to the fortunate's armor, but you get the impression that, yeah, maybe it was using poison damage and it attacked an undead uh, creature in heavy armor and mm-hmm. didn't go great for them. But you know what's really also fun? That they only can do that once per turn and then they just that is true. me with That is interest. true, but it does have two claw attacks in addition to that. Uh, and it's going to do a claw attack on each of you first on Val. A 16 to hit. That hits. Six points of bludgeoning damage. You are grappled. And... The fortunate is not grabbed or hit. Because they're badass. Yes. Well, because they're fortunate. And Yes, exactly. <laughs> they smack it away with their shield and say, um, Val, hold on. Don't worry. <laughs> I feel like they say that before Val has had a chance to realize that she has been grappled. Basically. And <laughs> panic and, <consented>. and speaking <laughs> of, Val, it's your turn. So many things have happened. Every one of my plans is now Yeah, chaos is in Garbage. I'll stick with my original thing, and I will cast Spiritual Weapon at second level, and I will do it over this scorpion. It's just going to be a book. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Kill a bug with a book. Yeah. Um, okay. Ten to hit. That's a miss. Fuck. Unfortunately. Well, it's there, and I tried. It's thick. Celestial chitin is too much for your book. Well, I need it to make me an intelligence saving throw. Would you like to guess what a scorpion's intelligence <laughs> is? Or, but, or what the modifier is? Butts. <laughs> it's just labels. It's just yeah. Well, I'll put it this way. I rolled a 12 on the die. Uh-huh. Pretty good. Let's say 7 total. Great. <laughs> cool. Cool. Ah. Cool. 
takes 14 points Ooh, wow. of psychic damage as an image of a celestial starry desert bird swoops down and plucks its stinger off with the intent to pluck it <laughs> apart piece by piece. Seems good. Seems pretty spooky to me personally, but mm-hmm. I'm, I am. I need to know only... more about squ- You need to let me know the animals that are going to show up in combat so I can do more horrific scientific that's research. On, that's to on prepare. me, unfortunately. And I'm grappled, so I will not be moving. Top of the round. Round two. Self, you have an elk who is standing right next to you, intending to do you harm and stomp upon you. Near you is Kaskrin Brightmane, the dwarven warlock, who is also being menaced by one of the two birds. Also close by is Checkers, kind of surveying the battlefield, having tried to restrain basically everyone <laughs> yeah. that I've listed thus yeah, far, right. and hiding behind a chair as Mango is trying very, very hard to just go dead weight on this large <laughs> bird. The Fortunate and Val are kind of sandwiched between the other bird and a scorpion with Val in its claws, and this is kind of on the opposite side of the room. And, of course, the shepherd is making their way through the members of the council. How far am I from this shepherd? You are only about 10 or 15 feet. Okay. I'm going to try to use the Fist of Unbroken Air on the shepherd. Okay. So, let uh, me stop you there. Okay. Steve? Please describe to me what what you using that looks like. So Self clenches his fists, and you can see the sleeves of his gi begin to rustle as if in wind, and you can actually see little gusts appear around his fists, and then he basically just strikes out and can hit things up to 15 feet away from him. The wind travels from your fist straight towards the shepherd. They are unprotected. There's no cover, nothing between you and them. Except you see your fist of wind smash against an invisible barrier about 10 feet away from you, right behind where the elk is. We will, I guess, switch to the elk and try to get rid of this thing. Seems good. So I can move. So my second attack will go towards the elk. 18 to hit. Hits. I will use my bonus action... To hit it one more time. Ooh, that's a nat 20. Ooh, oh, yes. Nice, nice, nice. So the regular one is five points of damage, and then the crit, 12 points. Nice. Ooh, okay. It Definitely. is already on its last legs. Yep. And then I will continue to move around it so that I am closer to the shepherd. Yeah, this is going to sound insane, <laughs> but I'm gonna, I want to be between the shepherd and the elk. My intention here is if this elk charges me again and misses, it slams into the barrier. <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And got it. I, I just want to see if it goes through or not. Okay, fair, fair enough. Fair. You can rotate, kind of use your footwork to work your way around the elk. And you can feel at your back now there is Some something kind of barrier there. Hmm. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, 
a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed Goblin Gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike including folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him it is the shepherd's turn they remove their hand from the council person who they were touching the sunlight that was emanating from their eyes and their mouth is replaced by that strange bluish glow that is also emanating from the shepherd's tattoos that you've seen emanating from the portal that they often walk through And as they move to the next one, they turn and shout over towards Kaskrin and says, Oh, that is very clever. That is very clever of them. And then turns back and puts their hand onto the next council member, who again, totally just goes limp and starts convulsing a little. That's the end of their turn. Now it is the elk's turn. The elk is... Again, on its last legs. And it begins digging its hooves into the ground in a rampage and, like, bringing its head down, swinging it wildly from side to side like an animal about to die. It is going to attempt to charge into you, Self. So mechanically what it's doing is moving away and then coming back as part of the charge. But I'm going to say that it's standing right in front of you. It's distracted. It's trying to do as much damage as it can, and in that, you see a window of opportunity to do an attack. I will take it. 19 to hit. Ooh. That hits. Mm, That's juicy. 8 points of damage. It tried to basically charge directly into you, but you're able to just get that one solid hit directly on its head, and instead of moving forward, it slumps down into the ground, its knees buckling. All right, Elk is dead. 
Now it is the bird's turn, who is slipping and sliding on gross, horrific uh, seaweed that has all gone melty. I think it's going to try and beak and talon Kaskrin Brightbaining once more. First, it, it does you a peck. 20 to hit. Hits. Nine points of damage. Okay, I'm going to take a little less, but that still hurts. As it stretches out its talon once more to slice and grab at you, it misses entirely. In retaliation for the beak attack, some of the the magical palisade, the wooden uh, celestial barrier manifests and kind of like jabs into the creature's, the raven's mouth, and it takes 10 points of damage. You hear the room is filled with a cacophony of terrible, loud raven screechings. That is the end of its turn. Kaskrin Brightmane, <laughs> now it is your turn. I am going to try and kneecap this raven. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So Kaskrin begins casting spell after spell onto his hammer. <laughs> He's casting Booming Blade. He's casting Heavy Blow. He is a dervish of magical energy. He's using meta magic. It's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Trust us. The, yeah. the action economy works. Yeah. It's fine. We've talked about it. But what he's going to do is try to bash in the raven's like leg. You know how it's like yep. kind of in the, the opposite of like yes. normal? He's going to try to quote unquote correct it. Yeah, bash it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> I get my one attack. 23 to hit. Boy, will it. Wow. And then some. Okay. We get this pile get of Get all these dice. God, so many dice. <laughs> That's a lot of sixes. Whoa. Oh, boy. So in one phenomenal swing, Kaskrin deals 31 points of damage to this raven. <laughs> and in the same action, using his meta magic, he is going to restore some of the temporary HP that he got, bringing himself back a, a little healthier. As Kaskrin has just, like, savaged the legs of this raven, how is it looking? Very bad. Very bad. Mango, one more time! As Mango leaps into the air <laughs> and tries to grab onto this creature that is harassing Kaskrin, being harassed by Kaskrin? We don't <laughs> yes. know. It's a mutual harassment. It's a back and forth. Yeah. 23 for athletics. Roll the two on the die. Okay, so, hell yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you said 24, I'm just going like, to leave that's right enough. now. The raven is now grappled by Mango, as Mango has just like latched onto the creature's back and is just like kind of weighing it down a little bit so it can't move around so much. <laughs> and as the tongue wraps around the raven's body, it's, Mango squeezes just enough <laughs> to cause it a little bit of pain. Okay. Five points of damage. And Checkers leaps from his chair cover to another chair cover <laughs> while summoning wild energy around him in the form of Billiam. Yay! The great butterfly frog. The day is saved. <laughs> now All the tides have turned. <laughs> Suddenly from behind this raven, this small baby blue frog with big bright butterfly wings <laughs> crashes into it. 17 to hit. That hits. For seven points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. Um, you've been trying to size up this raven, right? Especially yeah. as Kaskrin has just been, like, <laughs> kneecapping this thing, chopping it down like it's a giant tree. Yep. And your various frog blows uh -huh. rain down upon it and do not kill it. But you see, with that final bit of damage, mm -hmm. it seems 
to kind of like shake its head and try to clear cobwebs, right? And just like kind of stamps around and slides a little bit. And you see it kind of look around as if it doesn't know where it is. Hmm. Anything else you'd like to do? The only thing is as Billiam crashes, the magical seaweed in the area begins to dry up and dissipate, uh, completely dispersing and the area is no longer difficult terrain. It is Bird 2's turn. That means it is time for the Val and Checkers bird. Or excuse me, the Val and the Fortunate bird. I know I asked for a Val and the Fortunate buddy cop episode. This yep. is not what I Yeah, anticipated. I know. Well, I stay alive <laughs> and you'll get through it. Uh, it's actually going to take... Um, ooh, Actually, it's going to do... I am grappled by the scorpion right now, just as a heads up. Yeah, it's going to do a mean thing. It is going to try and hit you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, not great. 15 to hit? 16, because I'm next to the fortunate. Yes, you have not been moved. Uh, so the raven comes and, like, it uses its wing and just kind of, like, again, brings it horizontally to just essentially chop at you, like chop at your middle. Ba- yeah, exactly. But the fortunate stands just at the right spot to deflect it just out of the way, and you're able to kind of, like, scrunch down, which is very good, because that is a lot of bad things would have happened. The bird is able to, as part of that, that flourish. It gives it enough cover to move back. 10 or 15 feet, so it's no longer in melee range with you or the fortunate. Okay. It is going to use its bonus action and is going to try and push the fortunate over. It is going to flap its other wing and the fortunate easily saves and it's no problem. (laughs) Now it's the fortunate's turn. The fortunate says, all right, let's take care of this bug first. Just very nonchalantly. I love how calm they are. And reaches out with perfect form. Hits for 11 points of damage. Second attack. Hits 12 points of damage. And with the final hits, another 11 points of damage. So I think that's 40 points of damage. With perfect unerring form. Like a machine made specifically for one purpose, and that is spear fighting. The fortunate just cleaves their way through this giant scorpion construct. And with a final flourish, cuts through it with its spear as it dissipates and drops you onto the ground. Praise be. I was really afraid of that stinger coming right for Val's chest next turn. For sure. And the fortunate kind of like flips around their spear to help you up and says, see, no problem. Thank you. Finally, Valeska Carter. The two constructs are down. There are two birds and there is a shepherd. What do you do? I will send my spiritual weapon over to the bird that just pushed itself away from the fortunate. The one that had been attacking you. Yes. And I will... Try to smack it across the face with a book. Ten to hit. Uh, miss. Okay. Do I know there's a wall by the shepherd? Would Selv, would you have said something? Selv would have shouted back to the others, can't get through, and kind of, like, you know, bang on the... Knocked. I'm imagining you, like, doing it like the Fonz hitting the jukebox behind him. (laughs) Well, does the whole thing then light up and start playing music? (laughs) 
Val will look towards the shepherd and with a prayer to her holy symbol, cast dispel magic. Ooh. Okay. I'm casting this as third level, so for each spell of fourth level or higher on the target, I make an ability check using my spell casting ability. DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. On a successful check, the spell ends. So if it's third or lower, it ends. I'm guessing it's not third or lower, but... This spell cannot be dispelled by Dismel Magic. Damn it. Okay. Well, that's information. Fortunately, it says that in the thing in, in the description. I tried. And I love it. Sick move. Very good. But very specifically and unfortunately, it says no. Um, I use Badadol Trigonometry to cower behind the fortunate and yell out, I can't get rid of the magical wall. <laughs> At the end of the round, Shepard again kind of calls over their shoulder and says, Kaskrin, do you know how they did it? Do they tell you how the saints sent you some of their power? And Kaskrin is like holding his hammer ready to charge. Like, what? What are you talking about? What do the saints have to do with any of this? Keeping their hand on the council member, they kind of roguishly turn back towards you. Through the mask... Their eyes are glowing this strange yellow, and you can see just barely that their eyes kind of squint together as if they're smiling. And they say, everything. And that's where we'll end this week's episode. Uh, Boom! But also, when you said they squint their eyes like that, I'm just like, oh, you mean they're smizing? Yes, <laughs> they're smizing. Smiling with your eyes. Come on. Obviously. America's Next Top Model, everyone. <laughs> Be Thank on you. it. <laughs>